This is an ABC podcast. I'm talking to a number of our clients at the moment about the potential of, you know, in this fierce competition for digital talent, the idea of giving employees a round-the-world plane ticket at the beginning of the year and just saying work from whichever office we have in the world, wherever you like, you know, which really starts to tap into this deep desire for adventure. And how many of us would be sitting there going, wow, imagine if I could be a backpacker, but also own a home and do all of those things that I want to do. Seriously? Where do I sign up? That's behavioural scientist Aaron McEwen from global research and advisory firm Gartner. And he's deadly serious because the pandemic has made us rethink just about every aspect of our lives, but none more so than work. And in the US, this has led to what's been dubbed the Great Resignation. And company leaders, particularly in the tech industry, have been warned to brace themselves for a seismic shift in their workforce. I'm Lisa Leong, and today on This Working Life, we're going to dig down into what's driving this and find out if this is happening in Australia too. Aaron uses data-driven insights to advise heads of HR and senior executives on issues such as these. And those in the US are getting very worried. We're seeing a really, like you said, a seismic shift in the movement of talent. So, you know, coming out of this incredibly disruptive period where people have been, you know, deeply reflecting on what's important to them and have also kind of come to the conclusion that they may or may not have been treated well during the pandemic by their employers. So what we're seeing is what's being referred to as the great resignation, which is wide-scale examples of people putting in their notice, changing jobs, and that seems to be happening at every level. So it's, you know, right at the retail level, the frontline workers, but all the way through to technology workers, senior executives, almost across the entire workforce. And when we say seismic shift, how big are we talking here? Well, comparatively big. The stats are pretty clear in terms of, you know, one of the underlying things we look at is business confidence. Um, So business confidence is on the rise globally and is very, very high in the US, particularly I mean, we we will see some denting of that confidence with the implications of of the resurgence of the Delta variant of COVID. But generally, as people start to get back to not just offices, but travel, etc., that confidence is coming back really strongly. You've then got another stat that we look at, which is jobs availability confidence. So again, we're looking at this rising quite significantly. So it's up at least a percentage point. And then what we did was recently we did some snap polling of HR leaders. And one of the things we found was that 83% of HR leaders in that survey have started seeing the early signs of employee turnover. And it's about 50% are what we would call somewhat concerned. But 34% of HR leaders are significantly concerned about those early signs of turnover. And then when we ask them about their concerns as the economy picks up, that actually rises to 90%. So 90% of HR leaders are concerned about increased employee turnover, particularly as our our economies improve, with 48%, so almost 50%, 
significantly concerned about that. What other effect has the pandemic had on our work choices? One of the things that I often talk about with our clients is that pandemics have this uncanny ability to reshape society at very fundamental levels. You know, arguably the Black Plague in Europe not only ended feudalism, but, you know, probably gave birth to modern democracy as we know it. And so we don't quite know what the full impacts of this pandemic will be. But one of the things we do know is that it has kind of rewritten the psychological contract between employers and employees. And so I think when we say seismic shift, that's what we're starting to see is that the old rules maybe don't apply quite as much. And the movement of talent is so significant and so sharp that it's different to probably anything we've seen in living memory. Now, what I mean by that is that we always go through cycles in the economy and every time there's an uptick in the economy, you know, maybe the balance of power shifts a little bit to employees when they've got more choice. We're in one of those moments, but it seems like they have a lot more choice but they're also being driven by some really fundamental shifts in their own thinking about what's important to them. You know, I'm not sure I would have made the shift if it hadn't been for the pandemic. I think that what that really brought out for me was that it was time to think. It was time to think about what am I willing to do at a job? I think there were some stressors within the job itself and then combining that with safety issues, health issues, my kids being home. I just thought, you know what? I don't want my job to be an added source of stress. I want to find something that I really enjoy and people that I enjoy working with. That's Anna Burgess-Yang, who's based in Chicago. She became part of the great resignation earlier this year. So I made a a complete shift. (laughs) I left product, product management and fintech, and I had always had an interest in writing. So I did a complete pivot. I did some freelancing for a while to kind of learn the content marketing space. And then that allowed me to build a portfolio to apply at an agency where I'm now a writer. And your husband is a software engineer and he also recently quit. He did. Um, So we both decided to kind of go on new adventures this year. His was different though. Mine was just I need something different. His was, he had taken a new job in August of 2020. So during the pandemic, he just was looking for a different job in the same field. The company had been in the office, but we're remote due to the pandemic. And he talked with the hiring manager and said, you know, I've been a remote employee. I want to stay a remote employee. What does this look like someday for you guys? And the hiring manager said, you know, we really don't know. We don't know if we're going to continue remote. We just, we can't see the future. So he said, okay, I'll give this a try. Then on very little notice, he was told that he was going to need to return to the office about two months ago. And that was really hard. You know, we'd been both of us remote for more than five years. And all of a sudden now he was told he had to go back. So he asked his manager, you know, is there any room for negotiation here? And he was told no. So we both together made a very swift decision that he would start looking for another job. And during this time, you and your husband were both working from home. How did that help your family? It's really that as parents, we can more equitably share the work of taking care of our kids. We have three kids in three different schools uh, due to their ages. So when I was the only remote employee, 
so much of that fell to me picking the kids up for a doctor appointment or, you know, an after school activity because he was in an office. So when he switched to that five years ago and he began working remotely, all of a sudden it was just, it was so much easier. We could split those tasks. We were both here during the day. We just weren't willing to give that up. So when his employer said, you've got to come back in, we were pretty much like, no. And as a software engineer, it's a pretty high demand field. So he was able to find something easily that would allow him to continue to work remotely. And and how has the pandemic changed your attitude to your jobs? I think both of us are, we're just willing to put up with a lot less. I think we want employers who are supportive of flexibility, you know, whatever that looks like. We want to feel that we can still advance our careers, you know, as we had been before the pandemic. But there's just a lot less tolerance (laughs) for everything. You know, we've been through a lot in the past 18 months. We sure have. And that takes us back to the psychological contract Aaron mentioned earlier. But what is it? So that's kind of like the the deal between an employer and employee in terms of, you know, uh, in exchange for my labor and my sweat and my tears and my efforts, um, I'm going to get these things in return. And so historically, that was kind of based on the employee being an employee. And it was based on companies trying to provide what we call an exceptional employee experience. And it was also based on this kind of transactional, like how many benefits can we provide? You know, what is the salary? What are we offering? Whereas what we see today is that employees don't want to be seen as workers. They want to be seen as humans you know, complex human beings with rich, full lives. And they're not just interested in what experience they can have at work, but they're interested in what an employer does to enhance or enrich their life experience, not just those hours that they spend. And by the way, not in the office anymore, right? We're working at home. And so that blurring of those lines is a really significant shift. And then finally, it's not just about what your employer can offer you in return for your labor. It's how does my company make me feel? Do I feel proud to be here? Do I feel supported? Do I feel um, as though I'm being invested in? So those are, I would say they they are things that have been well underway for a long time, but the pandemic has accelerated that shift um, in a really, 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 really fast way. Now, what's happening in Australia? Is the great resignation playing out here? Well, I think the seeds are playing out and being planted. So we're not seeing it yet. And a large part of that is that the impact of the Delta variant in Australia meant that we went into lockdowns, which is not what's happening in North America or Europe. In fact, they're coming out of those lockdowns. And so the trends are all there. So, for example, I mentioned earlier those trends around business confidence. Australia for the last eight to 10 quarters has actually lagged behind the rest of the world. In Q3 of, or Q4 of 2020, I should say, we actually caught up to the rest of the world. And we are now significantly above the rest of the world in terms of underlying business confidence. So Australia has gone from a rather pessimistic perspective on underlying economic conditions to a really positive one. We've also saw that 
confidence in the job market, that also rebounded. So we had historically been chasing the rest of the world. We're now level with the rest of the world. And so those underlying signs are there. But what I think we'll see is that as we move into next year, as people get their bonuses, which may not be as good as they were hoping for when they don't get the promotions that they feel they deserved because they worked harder than they've ever worked this year or the last 80 months. And then they get their performance reviews coming in where they may or may not be thanked for that contribution and sacrifice that they made. I can imagine that, you know, when we hit March of 2022, we will see the great resignation in Australia. It will be a movement of talent that I think we are unprepared for. So what will this predicted great resignation mean Mm. for organisations? Well, this is where it gets really worrying for me because, again, I'll point out we have these record levels of employee fatigue and what will start to happen is that people will quit their jobs and it won't be easy to replace them. And historically, we've had a position from most organisations where they try as hard as they can not to replace people. So you try to run your business as lean as you possibly can and when people quit, it's a good excuse to, you know, maybe shed a few (laughs) positions. So what will happen then is that the burden of the work, because remember the other thing is that most CEOs are expecting to hit the button on growth at the end of this year. So, you know, two years ago, we asked CEOs a few questions in our surveys and and about uh, 70% of them said that in the next two years, there would be a explosion in growth. So they've been aiming for this time. So right at the moment when people are leaving and not being replaced, the leaders of our business will also be asking them to do more, not just to carry the burden of the lost people, but to fuel their growth ambitions, double-digit growth. So that's going to compound our fatigue problems. And so you can see a spiral happening Um, at that point in time. So this is deeply worrying. And if organisations don't address this, they could find that their growth ambitions won't come to fruition. My name is Cathy. I'm currently a startup founder. I have uh, two businesses. And last year I left my job that I really, really loved. It was a content writing and editing position. I left it in September, just in the midst of the pandemic. I didn't want to leave, but I just was just so burnt out and I had enough. The role of the pandemic was significant in my decision. The restructure, also I was working additional hours. There was a lot of micromanaging and just too many virtual meetings. I think there was just so much burnout from that. I vocalised my concerns, uh, not just to my manager, but also the management above, but they did not take things seriously. And ultimately, I just did not feel that I was heard. I didn't feel that I was listened to, so I left. It was really hard because I knew that my parents and, and family would be quite upset by it because usually when you leave a job, you would, in the ideal world, have something stable to go into. But I 
didn't have that at all. I didn't have much savings. So it was incredibly hard to leave. However, the best decision ever. I think where employers are really slipping up at the moment is not really caring enough for their people and not really supporting them enough. I think the main thing is just to listen to what your people want and ask the question rather than assuming that perhaps they want another trivia night or virtual drinks. The biggest lesson I've learned in quitting my job is to actually trust myself or believe in myself because in the past I've only just quit things if I have that security, knowing that I'm actually going into a secure job or whatever it may be. But what this has taught me is just to embrace uh, ambiguity and just to trust in the process and have faith in myself. And it's actually paid off. Aaron, is there actually an opportunity here for organisations? Well, I think we can all always focus on the, oh my goodness, our employees are fatigued and how are we going to grow and all of those things. But what you can also do is look at this as a once in a lifetime or generation moment to rethink how work is done, to reconfigure work so that it's actually designed for this new world that we find ourselves in. Basically, the way that we work, particularly in offices, is a leftover from the 20th century, arguably the 19th century. You know, we work nine to five because that's when the sun was up. (laughs) That's how long ago this model of work was designed, right? And we worked in offices because chances are no one had a computer in their house, yet alone a fax machine or any of those things. So you had to come to the office to do those things. Right now, I'm sitting here in a home office that is decked out way better than any work office I've ever worked in because I built it for myself, you know, so it's set up that way for me. And so the whole way that we work needs to be redesigned for this new reality that we work in. And I think the big opportunity we've got, the first one, is when we recognize that the biggest risk to our growth strategies is going to be capacity of our workforce. So resilience and capacity, then maybe we've got an opportunity to declutter the work that we do. So I, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Marie Kondo. I know she's uh, many of the listeners will probably <laughs> enjoy decluttering their apartments during this, this time. <laughs> this is what I think organizations have the opportunity to do, to ask themselves two really deep questions. One is, is the work that we are doing bringing joy? And does this work add value? And if the answer to those two questions is no, maybe we should stop doing that work. And that will provide more capacity for employees to drive these growth ambitions. So, Erin, can we quickly run through some of the stats from Gartner's survey from around July this year? What are the major reasons people gave for actively looking for a job? Well, this has kind of shifted a little bit. Yeah. So, it's to do with managers mostly. So, you know, there's um, the direct relationship that we have with our manager. And so I think what a lot of employees are looking at is work-life balance, which used to be at the top of the reasons why people both join another company and leave their uh, current one, has become what I call an hygiene issue. So flexibility today is not something that attracts people or pushes them away. It's simply 
if you don't have it, you're not in the race, right? So now what they've shifted to, which has been an old adage for many, many years, is um, how does my direct manager interpret our flexibility policy? You know, so I might have a manager that goes, you know what, CEO expects us to be in the office three days a week, but I don't really care if you're in here too, I really don't mind. Versus one that says, we are going to be in the office and you will be here from nine to five every day, right? So that's, a, that's been an interesting, subtle shift, but I think a powerful one. Aaron, does money still talk? We are seeing compensation climbing up the ladder again. It hasn't been as important historically in Australia. So whilst it's the number one in the world, it usually sits around number five in Australia. But, you know, there are companies out there offering money to entice employees to move. So it is becoming a little bit more important. But to me, the most interesting shift has been a lot of employees go to a new company historically for development opportunities and career opportunity. That's actually dropped out. Those two things have dropped out of the top three and are now sitting in the bottom three. So they're in like seventh, eighth and 10th place now. That to me is reflective of this deep reflection around the role of work in life. So uh, some pundits are referring to this as the end of ambition. And so we have this additional data point, which is saying that people aren't changing jobs to get more career opportunity. They're not changing jobs to get more training and development, which they used to. And that kind of points to this fact that maybe we're satisfied with what we've got to a degree and that any additional effort in terms of our career and development might just be seen as additional work on top of a very exhausted workforce. Aaron, what's your message to employers in anticipation of this shift Mm. in the workforce? Get ready to start providing an experience at work which is similar to the way that you approach your customers. So one of the things that we see in the world of customer acquisition is a concept that we call hyper-personalization. You know, so the, the Netflixes of the world, the, you know, Amazons, they have these incredibly sophisticated algorithms that work out who you are <laughs> and what you like to buy and what's your ideal way of dealing with it. So those organizations that try really hard to create what are currently called internal marketplaces where you can take on internal gigs in your organization that allow you to start to curate your own little portfolio career within one company. That's a huge opportunity. The example I gave a little bit earlier of the, you know, the round the world ticket, allowing people to have an adventure while they work. That's the way companies will have to start thinking about this is that they will need to begin selling the work to employees. Aaron McEwen, Vice President of Research and Advisory at Gartner. But not everyone has a foot out the door. Hi, my name's Deb. I work at Cultramp as the Director of Community Innovation. Through this pandemic, I've really learnt that being there and showing up for each other is the way that we all get through it together. Um, And as an organisation and as leaders within organisations, by listening to our employees and understanding what it is that they need, that's the way that you can help stop people leaving. 
pandemic hasn't really changed how I view my job. It has been a catalyst, though, for me to more clearly define what the goals are that I want to achieve from the role that I'm in now and to make sure that I go out there and find a way to achieve that within my organisation without having to leave it. It's absolutely made me more loyal to my organisation. Seeing them show up for our community as well as for our campers who are our internal team has given me a greater appreciation for what we're trying to do as a group and a deeper commitment to it. As Deb points out, quitting your job is one way to navigate your career in these uncertain times, but it's not the only way. I've been asking some big questions about how and why we work for a new book. It's called This Working Life. Follow me on LinkedIn or Insta for details because it's available for pre-order now. This Working Life, the podcast, is produced by Maria Tickle. I'm Lisa Leong. And until next week, keep working. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.